That girl has some nerve. She's been a Christian all of, what, two years? And she throws us a question like that in my kitchen at my small group? I told Janie not to invite her. She's not spiritually mature enough for this group. She proved that today. Can each of us honestly say we're living an abundant life spiritually, emotionally, relationally, physically? Please, sister, you have no idea. If you go through life expecting it to be perfect or even abundant, I'm sorry. But you're going to wake up pretty disappointed one day, missy. People break your heart, the government breaks your piggy bank, and sometimes your blood pressure will feel like it goes higher than your prayers. There you go, a little life lesson, free of charge. I'd like to see her go through what I've been through in the past few years and then talk to me about abundant life. I'd like to see her face when her husband comes home with a pink slip or when her best friend walks away from God and family and her whole life. I, I'd like to see her come home with the news I got last week. Triple bypass surgery. Oh, and have a Merry Christmas. Go ahead, God. Show me your abundance in that. I know all the verses. My grace is sufficient for you. I know the plans I have for you. Delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I know them, but I can't feel them. Guess it wasn't such a bad question. I do want to live an abundant life, God, if that's possible. Please, just show me how. It's a good question isn't it, for all of us to ask? Are we really living uh, the abundant life? Paul Harvey, some of you may remember him, a radio personality, TV personality, uh, known for his rest of the story stories, such a great guy. He made a statement years ago that I've often pondered. Paul Harvey said, even if the Bible were not the word of God, it is still the best blueprint for a good life here. Even if the Bible were not the word of God, it's still the best blueprint for a good life here. Now, I don't know what you think about that statement, but I want to tell you that is not why I came to Christ. Can I just keep it real with you for a minute? I really came to Jesus Christ initially now because I wanted an eternal life fire insurance policy, okay? It wasn't the kindness of God, as Paul tells us about in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, that leads us to repentance. It was concern about eternity. I wanted to be exempted from eternal punishment. You see, I believed the gospel. I was just a young man. I, I believed the story of Jesus and that he died on the cross for our sins and rose again. I believed the gospel when it said that our sins have separated us from God. And I believed the truth that my sin deserved punishment. But that if I placed my faith in Jesus, that I would be exempted from that punishment. And, and what Jesus did for me at the cross in paying the penalty that my sins deserve would mean that I could go free, completely forgiven. 
And so that's how I came to Christ. But you know what? I've been a Christian now for 40 years. In fact, this year was my 40th spiritual birthday, June the 16th to be exact, 40 years in Christ. And I want to tell you something. After living that long as a follower of Jesus, after being involved in trying to help others grow and being a Christian leader and literally traveling around the world, ministering all over the world, I've come to believe that what Paul Harvey said was really true. Even if the Bible were not the word of God, it's still the best blueprint for a good life here. Now we're in a series right now called Why Jesus Came. It's our Christmas series, our Advent series. It's going to lead us right up to the weekend before Christmas And what we're doing in this series is looking at some of the purpose statements of Jesus. Some of the things right out of Jesus' mouth where he described why he came in the first place. Last week, we looked at that statement where Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill them. And we talked about how Jesus came to fulfill the law. But today, in this second message, I want us to focus on what to me is one of the more exciting statements, and trust me, he made a lot of them, but it's one of the more exciting statements that Jesus ever made. Let's look at it together. It's found in John chapter 10, verse 10. Here's what Jesus himself said, the thief. Now, what does he mean by that? The thief, in this context, is a reference to Satan. It's a reference to that deceiver, the one called the devil. There are many names for him in the Bible, but here Jesus calls him a thief. He said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And here's the purpose statement I want us to focus on today. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, I first learned that. In the King James Version, I'll bet some of you did too. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Is there such a thing as the abundant life? Or is Christianity really just about eternal fire insurance? Is it just about pie in the sky by and by? Is it just about the sweet by and by? Is it just about getting by down here and and then one day we'll get our true reward? Let's talk about that today. Let's unpack that a little bit. And I want to suggest to you three ways that Jesus brings the abundant life to us. I'm a bit concerned about this topic because as I occasionally hear from radio preachers and TV preachers, there's a lot of people I think that are distorting this message and making people believe that the Christian life is all about something it's not necessarily about. But make no mistake, Jesus made a statement and you can take anything Jesus said for the truth. 
He said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it in all of its fullness, the way I designed it, you might have it more abundantly. So three ways I think he does that. First of all, Jesus came that we would have abundant joy. There's a sense in which the first word of Christmas is really joy. Remember what the angel said to the shepherds that night so long ago on the hillside in Luke chapter 2. We read, the, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And the first way that Jesus brings the abundant life is I've just watched this over and over again. It happened in my own life. When I came to Christ 40 years ago, I've seen it over and over again in people who truly go from exploring Christ to beginning in Christ. He he brings an unmistakable, unquenchable joy into their lives. I think that's one of the reasons that that great Christmas hymn, Joy to the World, is one of the favorites of so many people. Joy to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Heaven and nature sing. So let me ask you right off the bat today, do you have the joy of Christ in you? Because the statement Jesus made that we read earlier is very, very specific. He said, there's an enemy out there, he called him the thief, who wants to steal that joy. Who wants to literally rob you of the abundant life that God has in store for you. And here's how it works. The thief... Jesus, if you read on a few verses after that, you always want to study the Bible in its context, by the way. And while it's totally fine to to pick a verse out and look at that verse, but you always want to examine it in light of what's around it, what's before it and after it. And in that context, Jesus goes on to call this thief a liar. In fact, he said he's the father of lies. So here's how he lies to people today and robs them of joy. He says, look, If you'll just do things my way, if you'll just live for yourself, if you'll just live selfishly, if you'll just play according to my game plan, then I'll bring you true happiness, true joy. You'll have a life of ultimate pleasure and it will blow your mind. And many people buy into that lie of Satan. I met with a man once who was imprisoned And he told me the true story about he himself as a young man, before he had been imprisoned, he had literally gone through, and it was an eerie thing, the reality of it, he'd literally invited the devil to take over his life. He told me all about it. He told me the details. He did a sort of seance kind of thing. He put on certain kind of music. He created a mood in the room. I mean, he, he was very, very thorough in what he was doing. But he said the point was, I literally wanted what I believed that the devil could give to me. He said, I invited him to take over my life. And although my head didn't spin and I didn't start projectile vomiting or any wild thing like that, trust me, Satan took over my life. And it led ultimately not to joy, but to him taking the life of an innocent person and spending the rest of his life 
behind bars. And you know, that's what happens to so many people. Satan promises joy, but he delivers unbelievable pain. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. Jesus made this statement in John's gospel. He said, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I, I, I wish I had the adjectives to describe it, but there's something just unmistakable about the joy that Jesus brings into a person's life when they come to know him. So let me ask you again, do you have that joy in your life? So we're pastor boy so far you're painting a pretty rosy picture man I'll tell you do Christians have struggles oh my goodness you bet they do do they have grief just this weekend we've said goodbye to one of the great patriarchs of our church judge Warren Delalo senior the city judge in Waterville for many years 96 years old wow What a life, and it was so full. And here's a man who had lived his life for Christ, and the legacies left behind in his family is enormous. Do Christians hurt? Just ask ask the dear DeLalo family this weekend if, if you ever hurt. Of course you hurt. Some of you know what it means to hurt financially. Some of you know what it means to get a bad medical report. Some of you have felt the relational pain that that comes in this world. Of course, Christians hurt. But, But here's what I've seen over and over again. That when you yoke up with Jesus, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Here's what I've seen over and over again is that while sorrow may endure for a night, joy comes in the morning. Here's what I've seen that Christians, while in the midst of a crucible, can have a peace that passes all understanding that guards over their hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I want to talk to your heart today and I'm saying to you that if you're looking for something more, If you're wondering, is there something that can help you to ascend and rise above the piles of life? I'm telling you that I can testify that even if the Bible were not the word of God, it's still the best blueprint for a good life here. And I and so many I know are experiencing that kind of joy. The Bible says in Romans 14, verse 7, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus came to bring. But let's move on. I just want to very briefly consider one other aspect of this abundant life. Jesus also... He came that we would have abundant relationships. Now, I I would make this statement about relationships. I've said it to many people in the past. In my experience, relationships are both the source of the greatest joy and the greatest pain of just about any other area of life. Would you agree? Yeah. 
Most people have experienced that if you've lived on the planet very long. They're a source of tremendous joy, but also of tremendous pain when relationships go bad or go sideways or go sour. Well, here's the thing. This thief that Jesus talked about in John 10.10, guess where he comes at you the greatest many times? It's often in your relationships. So Satan, talking straight to you here, he wants to come in the midst of a good marriage. It may even be healthy, but you know what he wants to do? He wants to sow seeds of discord. He wants to get you bickering and fighting. He wants to get you thinking, well, I could do better than this. I'm not being appreciated enough. And some of these things may even be true, but he's stirring the pot. He's trying to exacerbate the situation. Satan wants to destroy marriages and Sometimes he, he does a pretty good job. Satan wants to wreak havoc with the parent-child relationship. You know, God's designed the parent-child relationship to be a kind of relationship where children in particular get so many positive things from that. In fact, their early understanding of who God is often comes from mom and dad. It's amazing. And yet when Satan gets involved in that, the thief, he wants to destroy that. And he wants to create scenarios where children hate their parents. Where parents are bitter about their children. Where the family gets divided. And Satan wants to wreck friendships. Jesus chose Judas Iscariot as one of his associates. And Judas Iscariot was with him for three years. Jesus actually chose him as the one to keep the treasury in this apostle band. But the Bible says that Judas became greedy and he began to steal from that bag. He began to take money. Later, as he continued to yield his life more and more to Satan, Scripture says Satan entered him and he ultimately betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Satan wants to wreck friendships and relationships today. What he does to single people, you know what he does? It's it's ingenious. It's amazing. Satan comes to single people who honestly, by all accounts, are pretty happy. Life's going well. They sometimes, in many cases, they have marvelous friendships. They're, they're, they're relatively fulfilled in life. They may have a job that's meaningful. But you know what? He comes in and he says, no, 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 no. There's a person out there that if you just find that person, if you just can find that soulmate, then you'll truly, truly be happy and fulfilled. You'll be happy. And by the way, that's what everybody's looking for. You don't believe me? You, you go around interviewing some people in the mall this Christmas season and ask them, hey, what are you really seeking for? Happiness will be the number one answer. So Satan says to the single person, look, you want to be happy? You find that soulmate, baby. That's what you really need. And so many just try to maneuver and manipulate and seek any way they can to hook up with someone and hoping it will lead to marriage. And so many times it's just an utter disaster because it, nothing in it was done God's way. 
And then Satan, the thief, has done his work quite well. He does it all the time. Single people, I want to say something to you. So many of you, it's going to sound a little bit radical. Some of you are going to be dropping your draw, dropping your, whatever, dropping your jaws right now, whatever. Can I say something to you single people? Listen, some of you need to make the choice. You know what? Hey, I'm I'm not going to be trying to turn over heaven and earth. I'm not going to be trying to go to heroic efforts. I'm not going to stress out about trying to find a mate. You know why? Because I don't really need one. I love uh, the book called Having Our Say. It's about the Delaney sisters who were the two daughters of the first African-American Episcopal bishop in the U.S. And they lived a long, long time, these sisters. Bessie lived to be 104 when this book was written. Sarah, 106. And somebody asked them what the key was to their longevity. Oh, it's amazing. They said, well, one thing is we never married. All right, that's one of the keys to our longevity. We never married. And then Sarah said, we didn't have a husband worrying us to death, you know. Some of you just need to conclude that. I, I don't need anyone to make me complete. But you need to allow Jesus to continue to work his wonders in your relational life. See, here's the deal. Jesus comes in and he brings the kind of virtues and kind of characteristics in our lives. Listen. That we flourish relationally. We don't think there's one person out there that we've got to have in order to be happy. No, we're, we're joyful and we're thriving relationally because we've got all kinds of friends and associates and relationships. And God is meeting the needs of our soul. Jesus can make that happen. Jesus can make that work for you. Think about the disciple band. That could have never worked. These guys were so diverse. That could have never worked apart from Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Matthew the tax collector and Simon the zealot. Are you kidding me? Matthew was considered a liberal by many. He was a collaborator with Rome. Simon the zealot was a nationalist. He was against Rome. In any other context, if Simon the Zealot got around Matthew the tax collector, he would have slit his throat. But Jesus made that work. Jesus brought these two guys together as friends, and he still does that today. Or take Thomas, the skeptic, the one who always had to have empirical evidence. And Simon Peter, the sanguine, the impetuous one who who could believe even without much evidence Don't you know those guys got on each other's nerves? You bet they did. But although these disciples were so different, Jesus brought them together relationally and made it work. And and that's my point to you today. Jesus came to bring us abundant relationships. And there's no way that we could measure the positive effect that Jesus has had on people's attitudes today relationally. Jerry Clower was a very popular Southern comedian as I was growing up. And Clower was kind of a big burly guy. He was real strong. He'd been a football player in college. And Jerry Clower tells a story about how he went to one of his son's football games. His son was playing, I think it was for Ole Miss. 
and his son was the kicker on the team. And they were sitting at this college football game, and, and his son missed a kick in the first half that really he should have made. It was a pretty easy kick. He missed the kick. And just a few rows ahead of Jerry Clower was the guy who just began to curse his son, call him every name in the book, talk about what a lousy, blankety-blank kicker he was and everything. Now, Jerry Clower said at the time, I'd been only a Christian for only a few years. And he said, I wasn't real sanctified, to be honest with you. I, I had a lot of growing I needed to do. Oh, he would say. He was really a funny guy. And Jerry Clower said, I just wanted to go down and rip that guy's head off. I wanted to kill him because of what he was saying about my son. But my wife restrained me. She kept holding on to my arm. No, Jerry, no, don't do it. You're a new man now. You know, you would have done it years ago. And finally, he just couldn't take it anymore at halftime. He finally had had enough of the guy's mouth. He went down and he said, sir, I want to tell you something. Jesus Christ saved your life tonight. (laughs) The man said, what do you mean? He said, I'm a Christian now. I've only been a Christian for a few years. And if a few years ago you'd said about my son what you said tonight, I would have killed you. Jesus Christ saved your life tonight. And you know what I wonder how many relationships Jesus has saved, how many tragedies he's averted. I wonder how many homes are still together today for one reason. Jesus Christ brought you together. Jesus Christ has kept you together and Jesus Christ keeps giving you the power to make it even though it's tough. Jesus said in John 13, by this all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Do you have the abundant life? Jesus came to bring abundant joy. He came to bring abundant relationships. But finally, I want you to consider that Jesus came to bring abundant flourishing. Now, here's what I want to say about this. And I I, I realize this message is a little bit different in tone. I'm just trying to talk from my heart to you today and talk directly to your heart. See, here's what I know about you. According to the Bible, the Bible says that God has placed within you enormous potential. Honestly, he's given you gifts. He's given you talents and abilities. He's given you a personality to boot. And on top of all that, you know what he's done? He's given you certain passions in life. He wants you to flourish. I know that's a catch word today. A lot of people use it. Talk about human flourishing. Not a bad word. In fact, can I tell you what unconditional love is? You want to know what unconditional love is? Unconditional love is willing somebody's true, authentic flourishing to become all God designed them to be. That's what genuine, unconditional love is. We should want that for every single individual, for them to be all God has designed them to be. But can I remind you of something in this last point? Satan wants to come and frustrate all that. He wants to come and thwart your potential. He wants to take, listen, all the hurts, habits, and hang-ups of your past and hold you back. He wants to keep you from being what God designed you to be. Don't let him do it. 
Jesus came to bring abundant joy, abundant relationships, and abundant flourishing. And my question to you today is, are you flourishing? And if not, why not? Could it be that you're missing that vital spiritual connection to the one who made you and designed you to flourish? "'Twas battered and scarred," a poet wrote. "'Twas battered and scarred." And the auctioneer thought it scarcely worth his while to waste much time on the old violin, but he held it up with a smile. "'What am I bidding, good folks? Who start the bidding for me? A dollar? A dollar, then two. Only two? Two dollars, and who'll make it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice. But no. From the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. And wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening the loose strings, he played a melody pure and sweet as a caroling angel sings. The music ceased, and the auctioneer in a voice that was quiet and low said, Now... What am I bid for the old violin? And he held it up with the bow. A thousand dollars, and who'll make it two? Two thousand, and who'll make it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice, and going and gone, said he. The people cheered, but some of them cried. We don't quite understand what changed its worth. Swift came the reply. The touch of a master's hand. And many a one with life out of tune and battered and scarred with sin is auctioned cheap to the thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He's going once and going twice. He's going and almost gone. But then the master comes. And the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that is wrought by the touch of the master's hand. Are you flourishing? If not, why not? You see, Jesus came so that you would Flourish, whatever your job, whatever your environment. (coughs) You remember that word that the angels gave to the shepherds on the hillside? And do you remember that after they got that announcement, do you remember what they did? Look at this verse in Luke chapter 2. It says, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They returned, went back to their same job, the same playing field of life, but now they had a different attitude altogether. Abundant joy, abundant relationships, abundant flourishing, even though they had one of the most mundane jobs imaginable. Is that what you can say? Chris Bovenzi of our 
congregation is struggling in the final stages of a courageous battle with cancer. Chris is a gifted architect. Uh, he is a firefighter and has a wonderful family. He, he loves his dear wife, Carrie, who's a pediatrician. He loves his amazing children. Chris is far too young to be battling a life-threatening disease. But you, you know what amazes me about Chris? He's got the kind of exuberant, overcoming, flourishing kind of attitude that I'm talking about because he knows Jesus Christ. And he knows, <laughs> he knows that through even a crucible like this that God is bringing glory to himself and he knows that this life is just a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. And you know what? Even in the midst of a struggle like this, are you listening to me? Chris Bovenzi is living the abundant life. That is astounding. So I want to be honest with you. I came to Jesus because I wanted an eternal life insurance policy, fire insurance. I did. I wanted to be exempted from punishment. That's a great reason to come. But you know what I've found over 40 years? I'm just telling you my story. I've come to believe, <laughs> though Paul Harvey was right, even if the Bible were not the word of God, and it is, but even if it weren't, it still would be the best blueprint for a good life here. Larry Burkett put it well. For the Christian, this life is the only hell they will ever, ever experience. But for the non-Christian, this earth is the only heaven they're ever going to experience. Do you know Jesus Christ? He came that first Christmas to bring the abundant life. And if you've never given your life to him, I want to invite you to do that even right now. The thief wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Wow, all of that. In heaven too. What an amazing God we serve. As we pray right now, I want to invite you to open your life to Jesus Christ. He will exempt you from punishment. He will forgive all your sins. That's why I first came. He will adopt you into his family and he'll start changing you from the inside out. And here's the deal. You will begin to experience what this abundant life is really all about. Can we pray together? Father, I ask that right now you would move supernaturally and draw people to yourself. I ask in Jesus' name that men and women and young people right now would open their lives to you and that you would break in on them and do what only you can do. Forgive sins, 
bring transformation, adopt into your family, and begin changing from the inside out. Father, we rejoice today that there is abundant life in our Lord Jesus Christ. And this Christmas season, may we experience that on a level we never have before. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Ushers, would you please come and and serve us now as you receive our tithes and offerings as we continue in worship.